If you have your Bibles, let's look at Second Kings, Second Kings chapter five this morning. Uh, last last week, or it was two weeks ago, we uh, we looked at um, one of those uh, personalities in the Bible that we don't even know her name, but she is a little servant girl who was living in Syria, and uh, she was captured by the Syrian army, and she was living with the military commander of the Syrian army, um, uh, Naaman. And uh, we, we looked at her extraordinary faith and how, how God used her. Here she was, this little servant girl. She was probably separated from her, her family. Her parents may have been killed in war. And when she was carried off to to Syria, and uh, and yet she was serving in the commander's household, and um, she had gotten to a point where uh, she had obviously forgiven um, her master at the time, and uh, and she was concerned about what was happening in Naaman's life. Naaman had come down with leprosy. And she knew of a prophet in Israel who could cure. God would use this man of God to cure Naaman's leprosy. She was um, she was confident of that, and uh, she was a little girl who was full of faith and courage, and would speak up for the one and only God because she lived in a what was now a, a polythe polytheistic land uh the syrians didn't believe in just one god the jehovah god the one and only god no they believed in a plurality of gods but that wasn't this little girl's heart she knew that there was only one god uh jehovah god and she spoke up and she knew that god could heal her master and so we see naaman Listening to this little girl. I mean, this little girl, uh, her, her life must have spoken volumes because when she, when she testified to her Jehovah God, there was a difference about her life. And here was the master and his wife listening to this little servant girl and in their hearts, they knew that she was speaking truth. And so Naaman went to his master, the king of Syria, and requested permission to go to Israel to uh, find this prophet of God named Elisha. And so we looked at her her life last week and two weeks ago and and. And what it's like, you know, what, that God wants to use us as believers in Christ behind enemy lines. And we're going to continue on that theme this morning as we look at Naaman's life. Now, just a little bit more background on Naaman. Naaman had leprosy. Naaman went to Israel. And uh, you can look more at this in, in Second Corinthians, 2 Kings chapter 5. But uh, ultimately, Naaman got to Elisha. 
and Naaman is thinking that Elisha is going to come out of his house and uh, he's going to wave his arms. He's going to touch Naaman and he's going to be cured of leprosy. But Elisha doesn't even come out to meet uh, Naaman. Naaman's offended by that because he's the, the man in charge of the ar- army. He's, he's, a, he's a big dude. And yet Elisha ignores him and sends a servant out to communicate uh, instructions to Naaman. Naaman is told to go to the Jordan River and, uh, and uh, to, to dunk himself, to dip himself seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman hears that and he thinks that is absolutely ridiculous. Who does this man think I am? Look at the nasty Jordan River. Where I come from, there are rivers far superior to the Jordan River. And he wants me to go dip myself seven times in this nasty river. And he leaves. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And yet Naaman's servants get his attention and say, Hey, you've come this far. Here is a man of God is telling you what to do, and you should do it. And so Naaman humbles himself and goes and dips himself seven times. The Bible says that uh, Naaman was cured, that his, uh, his, his skin uh, became like baby skin. Don't you love to touch babies? Their skin is so soft. And uh, and that's what Naaman's skin was like. The leprosy had disappeared. And so here we come to verse 15 in Second Kings chapter 5. It says this, Then he returned to the man of God, Naaman returned to, to uh, Elisha, and he, and he and all his company, and he came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Elisha refused the gift. Then Naaman said, If not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. From now on, your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself, by my, bow myself in the house of Rimmon. When I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And Elisha said to him, Go in peace. <clears throat> Naaman has a new problem. Naaman's first problem was leprosy. Naaman went to Elisha. God cured him. God healed him of his leprosy. And as God restored Naaman's health, Naaman fell into a new problem. And the new problem was that he was going to have to go back home. 
And in going back home, he's not going to a land that believes in a monotheistic God, a one God only. No, there is polytheism. There are many gods that people worship, that people serve, that are on this acceptable list of gods. And they're all battling for dominance. But now Naaman knows and Naaman sees and believes that there is only one true and living God, and that is the God of Israel, Jehovah God. And when he says in verse 15, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Church, that is a profound statement. Because that's not what he's grown up with. That's not what he has has seen. And now this is a stunning statement. And he is to go back to this to his home. And he is to serve his master, the king of Syria. And the Bible says that when he takes his master into the house of Rimmon, and his master is leaning on his arm, and he has to bend to help his master worship the god of Rimmon. He requests of of uh, of, uh, of Elisha that the the god would have mercy on him in this matter. I want to help us understand this morning when it comes to the activity as, of God and how God wants us to, how God works in our life, that He wants us to serve behind enemy lines. I want you to look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16 this morning. I'm going to refer to this a little bit this morning as we talk about 2 Kings chapter 5, but it's the story of David involved in um, in ministering to Saul in second in first Samuel chapter 16 this is what the Bible says in verse 14 now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him think about that for a second the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, King Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. A harmful spirit from the Lord tormented Saul. I want you to know, church, this morning, I want to remind us that God is sovereign over everything. God is even sovereign over evil spirits. And the Bible says that God sent an evil spirit to torment Saul. So God created a problem, an issue in Saul's life. And then God was going to provide a man to help minister to that problem. Verse 15, And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants 
who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be made well. Look at verse 23. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. God wants to use an anointed man in David to minister to be the answer to a problem in, in Saul's life. And God wants to take us not into protected, safe, perfect, pleasant environments. No, God wants to take his people into problems, into dilemmas, and be the answer to that problem. The same thing occurred in Joseph's life. If you read Joseph's life in chapters 38 through 50 of of, uh, the book of Genesis... Joseph's brother sold him off into slavery, sold him off into Egypt. God used a a terrible thing that his brothers chose to do, and yet God was sovereign over their poor choice. And Joseph goes into the land of Egypt, and and Joseph becomes the answer that, that Israel is going to need down the road behind enemy lines. And we know the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph had highs and lows in Egypt. And the lows were really low. Joseph was wondering if God had forgotten him. But through through it all, Joseph was faithful. Joseph persevered. Joseph continued to trust God. And hindsight is twenty twenty. And yes, Joseph could look back at how God orchestrated, ordained every moment that took place in Joseph's life. God is sovereign over it all. And here, God has saved Naaman. And Naaman is 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 facing a problem. He's got to go back home and he's got he's got to help his master worship the god of Rimen. How's he going to do that? And he asks Elisha that God would have mercy on him. And what is Elisha's advice? Is it, well, you know what? Before you go back to Syria, uh, uh, Naaman, we need to put you in some classes, okay? And we need to, to help you with your foundation. And we need to help you understand who God is. And you need to be part of a small group. And you need to be part of a church. And you need to go jump through all these hoops, Is that what Elisha recommended? No. Elisha said, heard Naaman's dilemma. And Naaman says, go in peace. Go in peace. What does that mean? 
I think we can surmise from that is that what we can surmise from that is this. Naaman, you have had a living encounter with the holy God. God has done a miracle in your life. You know who the God of Israel is. God has given you not only experience, he's given you a story, and you know what's best for your circumstances. And you go and you work it out. You continue to trust God, and God is going to show you the way. Naaman had a job to do. He was the commander of the Syrian army. He couldn't stay in Israel. Had he stayed in Israel, yes, he would have lost his job. Uh, yes, his family probably would have been killed and somebody would have, and the king would have sent people to Israel to have Naaman killed. Naaman didn't have any alternative. Naaman knew he no, needed to go back home. But Naaman knew who he belonged to. And I believe with all my heart that Naaman knew that God wanted to use him behind enemy lines. Maybe you're here this morning and uh, this, maybe this message applies to you. You know, you, you go to work Monday through Friday and it's a difficult environment to work in. You know, you, you don't find any encouragement. There are no other Christians whom you work with. And uh, it's a downer rather than an upper. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've been born again, but uh, you're still in a family that doesn't know Jesus. And you don't find any encouragement from them. They can't understand where you're coming from. And there's not that that relationship, that that brother or sister relationship in Christ that you long for in your family. But God has you there for a reason. God wants to use you in toxic environments. environments. And so here we see Elisha. He didn't rescue Naaman. He said, go in peace. Kind of like what the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. When when God saves us, we still find ourselves uh, in messy, sticky relationships. And, and how do we live out our faith uh, in this mess? You know, the Bible doesn't put things in a nice little tidy bow. No, there's things that we need to trust God for each and every day. Life can be complicated. But Christian, God has given you a story. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have, you've had an encounter with the living God. God has transformed your life. God's given you a story to share. How you're to share that, how you're to show that, 
God will show you the way, Elisha says. Go in peace. And so that's that's our story this morning. And, you know, I wish we could go and continue to read Naaman's life. And he showed us, you know, the scripture tells us how he worked it out. But we don't know that. We don't know how God read, uh, wrote the rest of um, the story of Naaman's life. But as we conclude this morning, I just want to give you just a few uh, principles to ponder if you find yourself in that kind of situation this morning. Living out faith in a toxic environment. Number one is this. Make sure that you're a Christian. Make sure that you're a Christian. My question is, are you saved? Is this relationship with God purely based upon what you think in your mind? A knowledge? Christianity is far more, my friend, than head knowledge. Christianity is to be a living, vital relationship with him. God is alive and God wants to communicate to you. And the way he communicates to you is through his word. And if you're not in his word, guess what? You're not hearing God's voice. God speaks to us through this. And we communicate to him through prayer. It's a two-way relationship. But if God is going to use you in a toxic environment, first and foremost, you need to have a relationship with him. Because in that relationship with him, God's going to give you the grace. God's going to give you the ability to be used of God. God wants to clothe you in his armor. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about putting on the full armor of God. God doesn't want you to go to work naked. God wants you to be fully clothed in his armor. And for you to be clothed in him, you've got to put on that armor. Let's just go to Ephesians chapter 6 and remind ourselves what Paul tells us to put on, not just Sunday, but every day. Ephesians chapter 6. says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, not just pieces, but the whole armor that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. My friend, the enemy wants to destroy your life. But we must be clothed with his armor. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So take up the whole armor of God that may, you may be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Put on the belt of truth. The truth being the word of God. Know the word of God. 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on Christ's righteousness. Hide yourself in Christ. You've been baptized in him. You've been buried. You've been raised in Christ. Your life is in Christ. Put on his righteousness. And his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Know this gospel. It's through this gospel alone that we have peace with God and the peace of God. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. How do we acquire this faith? We get this faith by being in the word. The word increases our faith. And if you're not... If you're not in this word, your shield, my friend, is really, really small. And you can't protect yourself from the darts, the fire, the fiery darts of the enemy. You know, my, my boys, they used to have this uh, medieval game. And they had these little soldiers and they had these little shields. And uh, I used that one time. To, that, that's how big our shield is. If we have one, if we're not in the word of God. God wants to increase our faith, give us a big shield, but it only comes through knowing what his word says. So take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Do you know you're a child of God? That God is there to watch over you, that you belong to him, that nobody can do anything to you. Well, what if I die, Pastor? You die, but guess what? Your soul doesn't go to hell. It goes into the presence of God. God is watching over us regardless of our circumstances. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times, in the spirit. God does those things in our life when we choose to clothe ourselves. And God wants us to wear this armor behind enemy up, enemy lines. Let's go back to the little girl. This little, we don't even know her age. We don't know her name. But this little girl was clothed in the armor of God. Behind enemy lines. And when she spoke, her enemies listened. Because of the way she lived her faith. God wants to do that in your life. So if you're working, you're living in a toxic environment, my friend, you need God. And you need to belong to him. And it's far more than just a head knowledge. It's a personal relationship with him. I came into that personal relationship with Jesus at just a young age, eight years old. But I realized that just going to church wasn't going to make me a Christian. I had to give my life. I had to believe in what Jesus had died for, did for me on that cross. He took the punishment that I deserved. And I crossed that threshold of faith. And Jesus became the boss of my life. 
Did he be, was I perfect? No. Was there a lot yet to learn? Yeah. There's still a lot to learn. But I talk to God. And God talks to me. And he gives me the resources I need with problems that I face if I'm trusting him. So that's the first principle. The second principle is this. Don't expect appreciation in a toxic environment. You know, I hear people say occasionally, you know, nobody appreciates what I do. Nobody appreciates the sacrifices that I I make. I'm just taken for granted here. And if you're working in a toxic environment, my friend, don't expect appreciation. King David, when he went into Saul's palace and played that harp, it got to a point where Saul became so jealous of David that Saul threw a spear at David in, Saul, in, in, uh, in, in Saul's palace and uh, just narrowly missed David. David was not being appreciated for all that God was doing in his life. God was doing incredible things, and a lot of attention was coming to David, and Saul was getting more and more jealous. David wasn't getting his affirmation, his self-esteem from Saul. It came from God. And David learned that from a very early age, that he was to be obedient to God. My friends, if you are looking for appreciation in the work environment, your focus is in the wrong place. God doesn't want your attitude to be one that uh, people bring appreciation to you, that that you live your life in the the limelight and it just uh, instills more pride in your life. That's not who Jesus wants us to be. Jesus values humility and servanthood, not pride and entitlement. And so our identity, our affirmation can't revolve around a title or a position or a name. Our identity needs to be found in Jesus Christ. Jesus and Jesus alone gives us success. And think about this for a second. Success isn't always measured according to the world's ways. You know, there are people in the work environment can 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 receive a whole lot of uh, attention and, and praise and, and promotion. And that's not the success that God's looking for. You know, sometimes we go through failure and we go through heartache and we go through pain. But God wants to show us success through those means rather than what the world wants to recognize. We don't serve man. You don't serve man. 
you serve God. So don't look to people for affirmation. Look to God. The third principle. Don't let the outside in. If you're working in a toxic environment, don't let the negativity become your attitude. You need to insulate yourself. Again, you need to clothe yourself in the armor of God. And you can't afford for the outside to be inside. I've got a boat. Matt Cropley loves my boat. He make, he loves to, to make fun of my boat. He's not here this morning. Um, but uh, my boat is um, was made in 1976. I inherited it from my father-in-law. And uh, in order to keep my boat afloat, I've got to do a lot of bailing. I, I was going to bring this can this morning to show you the purpose of this can. But uh, I use this can a lot to keep the, uh, the, the outside out of the inside. And if I'm not bailing water out of my boat, it will eventually sink. Now, it's, it's not that bad. I would have to go a long time before I bailed. But I have to work hard at keeping the outside, the, the inside, or the outside from inside. <laughs> In your toxic environment... You need to bail water. You can't allow the outside from influencing your mind and your heart. Has that been happening recently? You know, sometimes in work environments and uh, wanting to get appreciated and uh, wanting our job to be fulfilling, sometimes we allow the outside to affect our inside by becoming a workaholic. You know, that if I just work harder and, uh, and this, this is my life, that, uh, that this is going to lead to fulfillment. No, it's going to lead to burnout. And you need to find a life outside your work environment. But it's very important that you know your identity in Christ. And that Jesus is your fulfillment and not your employer or those who you work with. Naaman asked a peculiar question. He asked, he asked Elisha in Second Kings 5, well, you know, if you're not going to take these gifts that I want to give you, Elisha, can I, can I take two loads of dirt, dirt that my, my donkeys can carry back to, to Syria? Two loads of dirt. What was he going to use that dirt for? Well, he was going to offer sacrifices to God, to Jehovah God, on that dirt. But I think there's, there's something else that he realized as he was going back home. 
God had changed him. God had transformed him. And so, yes, he was going back to an earthly home, but that wasn't really his home. His home was now found in Israel, the land of Jehovah God. He was going back to the world that he was to be part, he was to be part of, but he wasn't to be, he was to be in the world of Syria, but not of it. And he wasn't going to allow the outside influence of Syria to influence his inside. So how can you, what do you need to do to renew your heart and mind, to remind yourself who you belong to and not make uh, family relationships or work environment or whatever, not to allow that to be your identity, but your, your fulfillment, your joy, your identity needs to come from God in a relationship with him. And then the last principle God has you serving in a toxic work environment. Number four, you need to do your job unto the Lord. Do your job unto the Lord. Look at Colossians 3.22. says this, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. As you do your job, and people are using and abusing you and not appreciating you and tearing you down rather than bringing you up, just remember who you serve. You're not serving man, but you are serving God. And God has you in a mission field to be a testimony, for you to tell your story, for you to show who you are belong to you need to do your job in such a way that people see your good works and glorify your God that's what this little girl did this little girl was torn apart from her family and put in a family that most likely had murdered her parents. She could have remained bitter and angry and unforgiving and unempathetic and she would have missed the blessing that God had for her life and we wouldn't be reading about her in God's word. She served God and not man. And because of her little life, people took notice. And when she spoke, they listened. 
God has you where you are to be a testimony. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to be sharing Christ on the clock. No, I I wouldn't encourage that. Share Christ off the clock, but you do your job and you do it to the best of your ability. You do your job well, not so that you might be appreciated, but that all the credit, all the glory goes to him. It may go well for you. And it may not. But what does Paul say in the last part of verse 24? Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. There is going to be an inheritance. But just know, it didn't go well for David in the beginning. David ran for his life. Saul was so bitterly jealous about David that Saul wanted to kill David. And he ran for his life. Joseph, he was thrown into prison. And he stayed there a long time. And Joseph was wondering if God had forgotten him. But you stay faithful. Know that God God will never abandon you. And as difficult as circumstances might be, God has a plan and has has a purpose and he's sovereignly in control of all the evil that you're experiencing. And you just continue to be faithful, to be true to him. Keeping that armor on Believing that one day you are going to receive that inheritance. It may be in your earthly life. It may be in your heavenly life. But God is going to reward your obedience. Let's pray. I don't know if this message applies to you or not. But if it does... My friend, remember his promises. God knows where you are. God knows where you're working. God knows the relationships, the people that you're working with, the family that you find yourself in. That hasn't caught him by surprise. And he knows what you're going through. By faith, my friend, would you trust him this morning? If you're here this morning, you've never crossed that threshold of faith. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. I want to encourage you to talk to somebody about what it means to to be a Christian. We're here to help you know Christ. Jesus loves you. God sent his only son to die for your sin. To transform your life. To make you brand new. Just like he made Naaman brand new. Don't leave here this morning without 
knowing more about what Jesus has done for you. My friend, if you are a Christian, you're not in this place, in in that environment, by accident. God has sent you there, just like He sent David to Saul, just like He sent Joseph to Egypt. Depend on Him. Father, I thank You for the promises of Scripture. I pray that you would encourage your children in this in this service this morning. If there one, if there's one who needs to talk to to someone more, Lord, I pray that they would take oppor- take this advantage of this opportunity this morning. But thank you for this time of invitation and doing business with you. In Jesus' name, I pray.